Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having a fantastic Wednesday. I'm back home. I was in D.C. yesterday, uh, which is why there was no Outkick the Show. I've got a lot to react to here. And so uh, I appreciate all of you hanging out with us. I appreciate you helping. We're almost, what's today? The 29th. We're almost to the end of March. And March is going to be one of the best months in the history of OutKick. Right now we're on pace for the second or third biggest month ever, quadrupling the audience that we had last March. That is a credit to you guys. Thank you. I'll give you the final numbers. I'll probably have a press release, honestly, since we now have PR. Um, But... Uh, right off the top, uh, news surrounding the shooting in Nashville. Uh, the manifesto needs to be released, but we'll see what that manifesto ends up saying. In the meantime, I want to be as clear as I possibly can. The word hero is overused. The word courage is overused. Bravery is overused. We have devalued each of those words in many ways. But if you have not watched the six-minute video of Metro Nashville police storming into the Covenant School and killing this crazed trans maniac murderer, you need to watch the video. It is graphic at the end, but you need to see what true bravery looks like. There are many different police officer videos that have gone viral that have shown police misbehaving, that have shown police not performing to the apex of their responsibility. This was a clinic in bravery, in courage, in fearlessness, in selflessness. It was everything we want to see from police officers in times of crisis, running literally to the sound of gunfire, taking out someone who was a murderous killer of young, innocent children and of adults who were there to help protect those young, innocent children, and ending that threat. And if you want to know how difficult this job is, I think watching that six-minute video will be incredibly eye-opening. If you have friends or family who regularly rip police officers, if you have friends or family who have argued in favor of defunding the police, I think you need to show them that video. Show them what it's like to pull up in a situation where there is a mass killer attempting to kill as many people as possible with heavy uh, firearms, three guns, and watch in a six-minute video from when that car, police car, pulls up at the school to when that threat is neutralized. It's a little over three minutes from the moment they enter that building, that school building, to when that murderous, rampaging killer is dead. Uh, and you need to watch it. And you need to... Share it as widely as you can so that people out there who have been disparaging the police can see in a moment, in an instant, how difficult that job is and what true bravery looks like. It was the exact opposite of what we saw in Uvalde, where they stopped, they set up a perimeter, 
They didn't advance at all, and they waited for hours to convert uh, to confront that murderous assassin. This was everything they should have done in Uvalde. I would imagine they will use this footage to train other officers going forward. Bravo, Metro Nashville Police Department. Everyone involved with those police and their training should raise their, uh, raise their heads high. You were a credit to the city in a time of immense despair. You performed at the highest possible level. Everyone who is a Nashvillian, and I'm a Nashvillian born and bred, relatively few of us it feels like these days, uh, you did us all proud. It's an awful tragedy. My prayers are certainly there for the six that lost their lives. Three adults, three children. I've got three kids. I can't imagine what that experience is like. I hope I never have to experience it myself. But my goodness, what a credit those police officers were. I don't think we're praising them enough. I don't think we're sharing their bravery widely enough. And so I want to make sure that I do my part to say thank you. I have shared three... A lot of you have reached out and said, hey, what can we do for the victims? I have shared three different victim fundraisers. Uh, One child, two adults, I believe. You can feel free to share uh, the, the fundraisers in my mentions as well beneath those. Uh, you can search them out. You go to my name, Clay Travis. You want to do something. You want to donate something. You want to try to help in the wake of this awful tragedy. Uh, you can do so if you search out my name, Clay Travis. Um, we'll try to put the link in YouTube as well. Always love you guys on YouTube. You can link and sub- uh, like and subscribe uh, the OutKick YouTube channel. We appreciate all of you who are doing so. Uh, a couple of other uh, news that are significant out there. Uh, news came down in the last hour or so that the Trump grand jury probe is on a one-month hiatus, which means that the earliest Trump could be charged in New York City is late April. This feels like, to me, this feels like a sign that Trump may not actually be charged in New York City and that Alvin Bragg is feeling pressure over what many legal experts have called a very weak case. And I agree uh, that that is, in fact, a very weak case uh, and that there should be uh, no charges brought in this Stormy Daniels $130,000 payment case. Because based on my legal analysis, I don't think there is a state law violation that can easily be made. As I've told you on Clay and Buck and also on Outkick the Show, I expect that eventually these charges would be tossed on a legal basis, right? Judges decide issues of law as a general rule. Judges decide issues of law. Juries decide issues of fact. I think this is an issue of law, and I don't believe that there is a legitimate basis to be bringing these charges Uh, based on what I have seen. Uh, And I think it's not a surprise that after all the reporting that there were going to be charges, that now suddenly we're getting into late April. And remember, as we get closer to 2024, I think it becomes harder and harder to justify charging Trump because the political process will be well underway. To me, by the time you get to the summer, and certainly by the time you get to the fall, I don't think you can bring charges against Trump. Because voters will be going to the polls starting in Iowa. 
And then you got New Hampshire. And then into March, basically, the 2024 presidential nomination is going to be determined. And so um, I think that it is going to be increasingly difficult to bring charges, at least in New York City, against Trump. And as the, uh, the weeks and months continue to add up, I think it's going to be more challenging everywhere. Hey, Clay Travis here. We'll be right back. But first, here's a word. News. The NHL, uh, according to Commissioner Gary Bettman, is reconsidering wearing LG- LGBTQ plus uniforms. Uh, and that is because some players, some teams, probably some executives have raised issues and said this conflicts with their religion. This is a sign that we are starting to win more and more of the woke battles in the world of sports. International track and field says transgender athletes, men identifying as women can't compete. It's a right decision. Uh, we also have uh, the NBA rolled right into Utah, didn't protest, even though gender-affirming care and the same law about where athletes are allowed to compete exists in Utah. Remember, they pulled initially their all-star game out of Charlotte over a transgender bathroom bill. I think a lot of people, NBA has taken a major hit in their ratings. I think a lot of these sports leagues are realizing, hey, wait a minute, Michael Jordan was right when he said Republicans buy sneakers too. If we have a good product, and most sports is pretty good product, right? People like basketball, they like football, they like baseball, they like hockey. They don't like is politics mixed with their sports. It's bad overall brand. Awful decision. Social media likes it. Actual fans do not. That's why ESPN, the brand value of ESPN is tanking. It's why the NBA is setting all-time record lows. If you look at what's going on, the message that Gary Bettman is sending, the decline of woke sports overall, is all a function of what the marketplace is saying. And the marketplace is saying, despite what NHL writers and NHL activists on their social media accounts are saying, is sports fans want sports and they don't care about politics. I spoke last night in D.C. at an event, and I've been using this. You read my book in 2017, you know what I'm talking about. Sports is one of the last great unifiers. You don't think about the political persuasions of anyone around you when your favorite team scores a touchdown. You want to turn around, high-five, hug, and experience that tribal association of joyful exuberance without even needing to think about anything other than your common fan humanity. And that is why I believe the sports leagues are, after years, it's been years I've been fighting this battle, finally starting to recognize that woke sports is a disaster and that the overall sports fan does not in any way embrace it. Now, I'll give you an example of this. We got a story up right now at OutKick. Women's NCAA tournament game. I want to make sure I get this right. We've got a story up at OutKick. Uh, Caitlin Clark, a lot of people are finding her to be extraordinarily fun to watch. At uh, the women's NCAA tournament, the women's NCAA tournament has actually outrated the uh, has actually outrated the NBA so far this year, which is pretty crazy to think about. Uh, and I want to make sure I get these facts right, so I'm going to pull up the article while I'm talking to you. Um, and uh, and it, it's pretty extraordinary. Iowa beating Louisville 
in the women's NCAA tournament drew more viewers than any NBA game has drawn on ESPN all season. Let me repeat that. A women's basketball game between Iowa and Louisville drew more viewers than any NBA game on ESPN all season. This ties in with what I said about the first round of the men's NCAA tournament. People like basketball. They don't like woke basketball. The NBA brand has become toxic because they have turned off huge numbers of otherwise basketball fans. And a lot of those basketball fans are just saying, screw it, I'll watch college basketball instead. Heck, I'll even watch women's college basketball instead of the NBA. Would have never believed it, but that's where we are right now. Uh, Speaking of stupidity, CNN said over the weekend, a writer at CNN wrote an editorial saying that if you share a meme or a gif of a black person on social media, you are guilty of digital blackface. That was the argument. My question, how does CNN say digital blackface is a thing, i.e. if you share a crying Michael Jordan meme on social media and you are white, Hispanic, or Asian, you are guilty of digital blackface. How in the world do they say that's unacceptable, according to this CNN editorial? But they have absolutely no issue whatsoever with women being uh, woman face, right? And that is someone who is a man pretending to be a woman and adopting all these exaggerated, hyper-feminine frankly, not realistic versions of women. How is it unacceptable to share a meme or a gif, according to CNN, on social media of a black person, if you're not black, but yet it's heroic and courageous and to be encouraged for a man to pretend to be a woman? Nobody can answer that question. It totally blows up in their face if you... Change your race, you're racist, like Rachel Dolezal back in the day, white woman who pretended to be black. But if you change your gender, which is far more serious than changing your your race, then you are somehow to be praised. Left-wing rules allow no logic. They collapse under, in fact, any review of logical certainty. Uh, Sonny Hostin. The View is consistently the dumbest show on television. The number one dumbest show that appears daily on television beyond a shadow of a doubt is The View. And it is filled with women who say stupid things basically every day. But this one was staggering to me. Sonny Hostin, who has a law degree from Notre Dame, Sonny Hostin said... She doesn't care about Chinese genocide. That is, she does not care about the Uyghur population of China being placed in concentration camps because they are Muslim because the United States puts black people in prison here and so she can't care as a result. This is colossally dumb on any level but particularly for a lawyer to make this argument, okay? 
So let me explain why it's so dumb. I can't believe I have to do this. If you are in prison in the United States, it's because a jury of your peers either convicted you or because you pled guilty to a crime and were sentenced to jail as a result. That is, if you are in jail in the United States, if you are in prison, you had due process rights under our Constitution to defend yourself and a jury of your peers or your own considerations through a plea agreement led to you being in prison. You committed a crime and are being punished for it. Being Muslim is not a crime. Being a Uyghur is not a crime. That is why a genocide and a concentration camp in China, and I can't believe I have to say this, that's not similar at all. And this is what you hear, unfortunately, from many quote-unquote elite left-wing media is they try to pretend that because the United States is imperfect, that means that they are not able to criticize any other country and they let China off the hook as a result. This is failure of moral relativism, right? The United States is not a perfect nation. But we don't have genocide going on right now and we don't have concentration camps and we don't have any situation that is remotely akin to what China is doing. Sonny Hostin's argument here is idiocy. She should be ashamed, but I'm not surprised because The View is consistently the dumbest show on television. Uh, Finally, I'm really fascinated by the debate surrounding TikTok. Candidly, I don't put things up on TikTok. But I'll look right now, and we have, I know OutKick does, a TikTok account on uh, on the account, right? Like we have, oh, sorry, here comes the audio. We have a Twitter, uh, we have a Twitter account. I think I follow like one account, if I'm not mistaken, and it's basically OutKick. And OutKick right now has, I don't know, 31,000 followers. But a lot of our videos are wildly popular on TikTok. I mean, we've got videos that are up, some of them which include me, that have millions of views. One of our videos has 9 million views. That's more than any video we've ever had on YouTube, any video we've ever had on Instagram, any video we've ever had on Twitter. Uh, There are videos of me with hundreds of thousands, if not millions of views. Now, I don't know if the people agree with me there. I don't read any of the comments. But I'm fascinated by the question of whether or not there should be a ban of TikTok. In general, my position is that there needs to be mutuality of rules. Right now, all of the Chinese companies have complete access to American markets. Meanwhile, none of our top social media companies have access at all to China. I don't think that should be allowed, right? So my position is, if China doesn't allow Google or YouTube or Twitter or Facebook to compete inside of their marketplace, why in the world should we allow Chinese internet companies to have access to our marketplace? There should have to be a mutuality of of competition. 
all of our top businesses, if they so desire, should have access to Chinese markets if we're going to allow the Chinese markets to have access to our consumers. And I talked about this just a few minutes ago on Clay and Buck, but this comes from Axios. Axios says in the past couple of weeks, the four most downloaded Chinese apps, uh, sorry, the four most downloaded free mobile apps in the United States are all Chinese-owned. Something called Timu, TikTok, CapCut, and Shine. The four most downloaded free apps in America right now are all owned by Chinese companies. Why are we permitting China to have access to all of our consumers and all of that data, and China is not required at all to provide access to its marketplace? That, to me, is the attack that has a great deal of validity, in particular, on uh, on this TikTok debate. I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it. That's more interesting to me, the lack of mutuality of competition, the lack of open marketplaces, than focusing in particular on TikTok and trying to ban it. Uh, all right. I love all of you. Uh, I'd encourage you to go donate if you have the money to do so to some of the victims from the awful Nashville shooting that happened two days ago. Uh, I appreciate you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. I'm Clay Travis, and this has been Outkick the Show.